And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. One day on the Athletic Podcast Network. Now, which way do we go? This is not your normal night here, Jet. No, not at all. Um, it would be even different if he was playing. Oh yeah, if it was playing. I think that um, you know, the I think Philly fans are anxious to see how good they are more than what Brooklyn is it's like no we got our guys we're here we're going to send a message to you no matter when ben comes <clears throat> back wait you mean the team or the fans i think the team and the fans no 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 that's not right them fans there for hatred they don't care about this game at all. They're there for one reason. They're not, paying, not, they're, they're not paying $4,000 for no damn regular season game. That's my point. My this point game. is it would, it would even be no, better if he was playing. You know, it would be better. You know, from a basketball standpoint, yeah, but from, from the from I mean, fan standpoint. Up, I'm not even sure. Did he do that in any other game? Does he go out there? I mean, he, he does it before every game. Okay. okay. Right. My favorite thing when, when I was playing, I used to watch you. I, I used to love when you say this game well. Playoff implications. <laughs> Athletic NBA show. It's Friday. That means it's Nerder She Wrote. I'm Dave DeFore here with Seth Partnow and Mo DeKeel as I am each and every week. Fellas, what's up? Is it the Ides of March? Is it the 11th is when that starts? How, how does this work? I'm not I, I, I'm totally be, up to date on my calendar. I'm going to be honest with here. you, Dave. I don't know what the Ides of March are. <laughs> well, listen, just uh, watch out for pointy objects uh guys yeah. the basketball oh, watch is really good right now <laughs> uh the nba is pretty good right now a lot of really good basketball on it feels like every night there's a playoff preview or i don't know there's something big happening jason tatum scoring 54 points 
LeBron scoring 56 over the weekend. The basketball right now is so much fun. And then losing to Houston. Well, and that's fun in and of itself. Getting cooked. By, by Eric Gordon. Oh, by Eric Gordon. Oh, good grief. That, that was, Y'all that having was, fun that, right now or what? He, that he, was and, rough. he and Rudy Gobert have a support group now. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think Rudy's going to come up in, in a minute when we when we get to uh, one of our topics. Uh, but I want to start off. Wait, really? I went to we Dallas to catch the game against Utah because Luca's been on a run and I, I wanted to see it live. And uh, it was a pretty good time. Dallas is a different team post-trade deadline. I know, hey, every team that made a trade is certainly a different team on paper. They're a different team on the basketball court. You add another guy that can actually handle the ball, break down a defense off the dribble, find a shooter in Spencer Dinwiddie, and then a movement shooter in Davis Bertans. Those guys have been huge additions to their bench, and I think the Mavericks, this this letdown game against the Knicks notwithstanding – I think the Mavericks are a dangerous team going into the playoffs. How, how do you guys feel about Dallas and what they've been doing here lately? Can I get a just a definition? What does a dangerous team in the playoffs mean? Does this mean your I think conference that, finals, finals? What's what? what I are think you conference saying? finals could be in play because Luka can be the best player in any series. I don't trust their defense. Interesting. I mean, the last couple of weeks like, they I, fell I, they fell off a little bit, surprisingly. I mean, you just you just look at who they put on the floor and like, how do you, how do you get a good defense out of that? Like in a playoffs, like that's a you, you're asking a lot on a night to night basis from you know your Maxi Clevas and your you know Dorian Finney Smith's pretty good, but like Luca is just okay. I mean, the guys we just mentioned them acquiring are between just okay and very bad. Uh, Jalen Brunson's tiny. Um, and they don't have much interior presence. So I just, I, I, from in a playoff setting, I just, I wonder, I worry greatly about their ability to guard. Well, it's, I'm with you, Seth, but you also forgot Reggie Bullock, but the same thing, I think they can get schemed easier in the playoffs defensively. And I think this might be controversial. I don't know. I'm, it's very rare. I have a controversial opinion, but sometimes I feel like, we focus too much on like offensive and defensive rating in the regular season because in the playoffs it's different, right? Like you can, and we're going to talk about this when we get to our other topic, but just regular season is different every night, different team, blah, 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 all that stuff. So like you can capitalize on it in the playoffs when a team gets to sit down and say, how are we going to break you down? And I think that's, that's kind of what's going to happen to them, but I am wildly impressed with their offense. And I actually have a piece coming out on Bleacher Report. It'll drop over the weekend, uh, I believe, on Saturday about the Mavs offense. And just they've taken the ball out of Luka's hands only to get it back to him. And I think that's going to help them so much more in the playoffs than the heliocentric way they were playing before. And they still have Jalen Brunson when he's on the court and the addition of Spencer Dinwiddie, other playmakers, other guys so that Luka can take possessions off. He can literally just go like, I'll go stand in the corner. Spencer, you go take this. And they have a chance of getting a bucket out of that. Where in the past, it was, if I go stand in the corner, we ain't getting a shot off. Forget getting a bucket. We ain't getting a shot off. And I think that's been the big difference in their offense. And I think, you know, uh, I don't want to spill the beans of everything I have in the uh, article, but like, I think you'll see the case made there. And I think that's going to help them in the playoffs more than than uh, anything else. But their defense is definitely questionable. 
Yeah, well, but uh, to your point about their offense, what stands out to me about the way Luka's been used since he came back from that ankle issue, so early January, I think he came back like the 2nd of January, is how many post-ups he's getting. Now, he's driving a lot. Again, I think he's second in the league in drives, so he's driving like 23 times a game. But the early actions on offense with him off the ball, they're often screening for him, letting him come across the lane, catching a smaller guy inside and he's getting, I mean, he's got this great fadeaway and obviously the footwork is there. I mean, he's just been a treat to watch. He really does a little bit of everything. He's a six, eight Jokic to a certain degree. You know what I mean? It's very similar in the way that he can affect the game from so many different places on the court. Cool player. In my opinion, you know, I don't know how you guys. No, no, I I, I think, and I think this, no, I think this is, and, and, you know, you're talking about another ball handler in Dinwiddie. It's not just another ball handler, another ball handler with a little bit of size, like Jalen Brunson can obviously handle the ball, but if you're talking about, you know, you're running these actions to get Luca, like run, you know, we, we all know how much I love a duck in and, but to do that, you got to have someone who can deliver the pass on time. And, you know, especially if you have a smaller ball handler who isn't like a burner, those passing angles can be tough. It's pretty easy to, to like have to throw the guy off his spot with the pass. But Dinwiddie, with that little bit of size, can probably hit him with passes that that kind of keep him in that in you know in that advantageous spot a little bit more. So I think that's that's definitely a benefit because they haven't really like they're who's been you know in the kind of the Luca era. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. has probably been their second best ball handler that has any sort of size and. Tim Hardaway Jr. Right, right. So, you know, so I, I think that's that's that is sort of a knock-on effect that allows Luca the ability to kind of move around a little bit more because they can get him the ball in these other spots more reliably. Yeah, their secondary assists are up too uh, since Dinwiddie has joined him. I mean, he, you know, he's breaking down defense, making a pass, and then the next guy's making a pass. It's I'm with you, Mo. I, I think that that offense it, it even has room for improvement. Yeah, right? and- as it becomes more stable. And we haven't even really talked about Bertans is hitting shots again. I, he can only shoot in Texas. That's my theory. I, 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 he, he only like he's like no, the taxes are too high everywhere else. I'm thinking about my accountant. No, it's the in Tex-Mex. Texas. He can live it's free. It's the Tex-Mex food. <laughs> he he made a lot of shots his first year in, in Washington. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Why All you right. gotta spoil the fun, Seth? Man, yeah, why no. can't we have right. fun? I'm sorry. We're Listen, just, I'm, 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 we're just about facts. No here. jokes facts. over facts. Okay, Come on, Dragnet. Um, All right, uh, Seth. What do you got, man? Um, I've been, um, I, so, um, I don't necessarily have a favorite thing. I have a favor to ask. Uh Uh-oh. This is something, this is something I asked on, on Twitter this week and got a lot of, um, actually I got a lot of like gifts of Giannis, but the question I have, the, the, the quest I had was someone talked me out of picking the Celtics to win the East. And, you know, that's fair enough. Like Giannis is a good counter argument. But I think we've talked about like Boston since they've made the trade for Derek White and all, almost I think uh, perhaps more importantly almost trading away Dennis Schroeder. Um, <laughs> talk talk me out of them as a as as a team that that is like not just a dangerous playoff team, but a team that like I almost expect to do something in the playoffs. Okay, again, what does uh, you expect them to come out of the East? That's almost what you're willing to say. Well, no, I, well, get, no, I, I get could, the no, I mean, I, like, I get no, the sentiment. Over, yeah. over, like, at this point, like, if you asked me to pick any team or the field, I would take the field yes, over that's any fair. team quite comfortably. Um, but, like, if make me pick one team and it's just, like, that one's kind of circling around me. And I just, I, I, I can't, 
I haven't like committed to it, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's temptation. I think Boston, who, by the way, we got to just mention, this is probably one of the most amazing tur- in-season turnarounds we've seen since the movie Major Leagues. Um, I, I, I think it's unbelievable. I think they are at least one shooter short because I don't trust Marcus Smart's going to continue to hit 36%, 36.7% from three. Derek White's not shooting the ball well from three for them. I think that's where they're going to fall short, and maybe that's just really nitpicking than anything else, but they have just as good a shot, I would say, as Philly, Miami, uh, Milwaukee. Like those, I would, I would say they're in the mix more so than anything else, and probably something I wouldn't have said, shit. A week ago, um, I think yeah. it's just you're 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 watching them kind of grow into it and seeing Tatum become the closer, the ball moving at another level. I'm just worried. They're so good. Defensively. I mean, defensively, they're point out their weakness defensively. Like they're starting five. Where who who are you attacking defensively? Right, like they're top seven. You know, All right? Like yeah, Grant. Like Grant. Grant Williams is like you know there was worry about whether he could defend in the perimeter and he's gotten himself in better shape this year and like. You know, I've, they 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 play they played the Hawks recently, and like you know, it's not a great matchup of him getting getting switched out onto Trey, but he's like he at least made Trey work to get something. Like it's it's um, but like they, they their top seven are good and versatile in many different ways defensively. They can switch like all up and down. Robert Williams is is might be like if not the one of the couple best switch bigs in the league. Um, like they're, they are, they, 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 intrigue I mean, me. I, now on the offensive end, to your point about Marcus Smart shooting, I'm with you. I, I can't trust it, but the playmaking I do, I think the playmaking from him is real. You know, the last 19 games that he's played since coming back, uh, when he missed a bunch of games in, in that stretch in the middle of, uh, December, he's averaging like almost seven assists a game. And this guy is like actually the point guard that they've been trying to find, to help carry some of that load from, from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. This has really worked out for them. And, and you mentioned it, Mo. Everybody wanted to give up on Ime Odoka after like a month. It seems like this has worked out okay. Yeah, I mean, they were coming for I mean, his head. <laughs> it was like... I mean, they, they, I mean, they were bad in close games, and part of them being bad in close games was Dennis Schroeder was on the floor in close games because they were worried about not having a point guard, and he was the point guard in the roster, but he's bad in close games because he's not very good and now that that's gone and now they're getting you know they okay they, they may maybe they still don't have a pure point guard but most of their lineups have three or even four ball handlers out there so maybe you don't have like the one guy who can just dominate possession but like you're playing a lineup with smart and white and brown and tatum it's a lot of ball handling even if you take white out and put alf horford in like that's that is a lot of passing and ball handling to put out there and like you know we've made this point before but like yeah Robert Williams isn't going to break you down or anything like that but he's someone who can make who can catch the ball make a read with the ball in his hands so they have like they can maybe make up for a lack of sort of an individual table setter a little bit with having five guys out there that can all you know dribble pass and shoot to some degree the most important play two plays that happened in their win over the nets on sunday was Marcus Smart gets a kick out to the corner. He doesn't shoot it, right? Normally, that was a shot that was going up. And actually, probably wasn't a bad shot to take. It was an open corner three. Um, He kicks it out to Tatum. Tatum gets an isolation at the elbow, kicks it to Smart 
on the above the break three, shot clock's winding down, he shoots, and he airballs the three. Okay, fine. You're like, wow, okay, that's a bad play. 45 seconds left. Tatum's ice-wing on the, the free throw line. He has Seth Curry on him. Kyrie leaves Smart to go to the double. Tatum trusted Smart, despite that air ball, to kick it back out to him. And Smart, smartly, swings it right to Jalen Brown for the dagger three in that game. And it was just, it's that kind of stuff, though. It's having that trust and knowing, like, hey, he didn't make the last one. I trust him. He's going to make the right decision with the ball this time. And in, in a tighter situation. And I think those are the things for Boston that goes like, this is the stuff that wasn't there in November, in December, when they were unwatchable. It was a tough watch. You're not doing a very good job talking me out of this. No, no. no. I I don't think we are. It doesn't feel like you're really trying. I don't feel like your heart's in it. The pass is there. And let me ask you guys a question. Let me turn it back on you. Okay. You're worried about some of their offensive stuff. Maybe they need another shooter. Is it the exact same worry that you have about the Miami Heat? Because these teams feel very similar to me. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I know I like the point I've been making like record aside is that I kind of feel like the Celtics are who we thought the, the, the heat were going to be because like the Heat can put shooting on the floor, but if you're putting shooting on the floor, that means Max Drews is playing defense. That means Duncan Robinson's playing defense. It means okay, Tyler Hero is not a complete liability, but he would be, you know, he would he's a substantially worse defender than anyone in the Celtics top seven. So, and then if they put their defensive lineup on the floor, like you talk about no shooting, like you know, you're you're talking about a lineup of 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 Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker, like I'm that's the, the, the not shooting great. I I like you know file not found for for shooters out there. Like you know PJ like PJ Tucker's having a really nice season. They can stick a corner three, but someone's got to create that corner three, and it's like it's either Kyle Lowry off the dribble or there's none spacing. I'm not there yet. I think Miami is actually really, even as a number one seed, criminally underrated because we rarely see them fully healthy, right? And see them all together. Like, I, I can't remember the last time I looked at the game and said like, oh, everybody's fine. Every time I turn on the game, it's like, oh, so-and-so's out, right? And it's been, they've pulled it together with Gabe Vincent and the Struess and whatever. Caleb and Martin's like been that. awesome. C- Caleb Martin, right? Like, these are guys I don't know how much they'll, matter in the playoffs like i'm not caleb caleb martin's a playoff dude, yeah I okay think. well i mean but like he's he's exactly that like mid-sized athletic guy that, that we talk about but we also know when your rotations get shorter and things like that guys yeah. will get cut out of the rotation and so on all i know is when they're on the court together and kyle lowry is the engine of that offense they are so damn good it's not even i mean i know they got their butts kicked by phoenix last night but there was again no jimmy butler but in the first five minutes of that game, they had seven field goals. Kyle Lowry had five assists. Like he just pushes that team to another level and how they're able to play and how they're able to attack and things like that. So I'm not 
fully there. If you want me to talk you out, I'd probably pick Miami over Boston in a series. But it would be a close one. It would be a lot tighter. But I think this is it's it's I think you're not wrong in that, hey, Boston might be able to come out of this. I mean, it's 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 like you said, any team versus the field. The East is so freaking wide open. Let's just be honest here. How shocked would you be if Brooklyn made a run? Not at all. Right, right. So, I mean, like, and they're the eighth seed having to probably play, fight their way through a playing tournament. Like, it's not like this is the, this is the Eastern Conference is such a crapshoot. Congratulations. You got the one seed. Here's Kevin Durant. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) come on. (laughs) You know, it's it's all of that stuff. But guys, I have a bigger question. It's not a favorite thing. I, this is, this is kind of hard, but like. Guys, I have no idea who the defensive player of the year was. It's going to be. At the start of the year, we saw Draymond looked amazing. I thought it was definitely going to be him. He gets hurt. We haven't seen him since January. It's not going to be Draymond Green. So since we're asking for favors, my favor (laughs) to you guys, who's winning defensive player of the year? Who's who's at least in the running even? (laughs) You know what's funny is that this year I felt like someone predicted – it was going to be the year that we were going to have a guard win defensive player of the year, finally. And then Alex Caruso had a lot of buzz behind him before he got hurt. Now, I wasn't there with Alex Caruso because I think that to win defensive player of the year as a guard, it, it is a colossal lift. Um, it just it, it's a massive lift and it's unlikely. But there, I mean, there's strong argument for Marcus Smart? I mean, obviously Giannis is going to be in the conversation. Rudy Gobert is going to be in the conversation, for, which I don't know if I even it agree with be, anymore. It should be, it should be noted but that if we're talking about who's going to win. Who's going to Rudy win Gobert is a different is, thing. Yeah. yeah, Rudy Gobert is a pretty strong betting I just, right now. I'm not there anymore. So that's, I can't do it. No, I right. I think that's so. Um, this is speaking of, of Marcus Smart. Like I, I, I kind of asked the Twitter. Like I was, I'm very miffed about this. Like, and I, I asked the question on Twitter. It's like Draymond. You know, Draymond's only gonna play 40 games, so he can't be. So you know, okay, you know, Giannis and Gobert probably haven't been as good individually as they've been in the past, and their teams are just okay defensively. Is it Marcus Smart or like Mikhail Bridges? And it's like. And Marcus Smart himself tweeted back to me, like, uh, somewhere in the fine print for winning, this is Rule 47-1A, no NBA guards without the initials GP are allowed to win DPOW. So it's like, okay, like, that's, I'm, I'm amused by that. And it's it's fair enough because, like, like frankly, we don't, we, we, like, it's been so long since we've seen, like, a genuine perimeter guy win defensive player of the year. We don't even know what it looks like. like Kawhi was, sort of yeah. was the last one. And he's, even he's like a, like a three, four sometimes five in some lineups like we've, we haven't seen a like a pure perimeter stopper in so long that I don't even know what that would look like today and if 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 there is that maybe it looks like Marcus Smart I don't know well and so much NBA defense now it's not hey go guard that guy and shut him down it's go guard that guy Wait, try to try to tell. avoid the switch uh you know work around this you know what I mean it's just a different thing like team defense matters like it, that's the important thing in the NBA and I thought we just lined up the box scores and whoever had the least on the guy opposite. That <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Yes. But, but, but the way that teams defend now, the, the big just get – it's almost like – I hate to say like being a closer in baseball where you just get the stat for ending the game. But you are so often at the end of the play. So you just are involved in more stuff and, and often 
as the tallest player, you're you're the guy that your your teammates are trying to force the ball towards. So I, I do think that the way that teams defend, it's naturally leveraged toward your big. That that just is the way the game is. And so it's going to be harder for a guard to stand out as a guy who is really making stuff happen, which makes Marcus Smart's season and Mikael Bridges' seasons really stand out to me. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, I mean, like the hard thing for a guard is it's it's everything you said, Dave, but like people see the block shots, right? And you, you're, you're looking at it and you're going like, oh, that's great defensive play. But you don't see the play where, hey, smart stunted at the guy and got him to not make that, uh, got him to slow down. And, you know, so Tatum can recover or whatever. Like it's, it's those kinds of things. And it's... It, Defense is so hard. And the one thing I kind of don't like about the Defensive Player of the Year award, even though there are times where it's clearly this guy's the best defensive player, NBA defense is so much about team defense, your schemes, your rotations, where you're coming from, how you're attacking, what are you what are you willing to give up, you know, because you can't take away everything. It's all of those types of things. It makes it difficult. And that's why when it's not a clear-cut, easy decision, I have no idea who's going to Everybody you named, give him a trophy. I mean, but with like, think about Draymond. So Draymond's been out for a while, and he and he was incredible. Well, the Warriors are still the third ranked defense in the league. So clearly, that's a great system, and and Draymond takes it to the next level. But okay, now how do you you know what I mean? The context is just it gets so tricky to to read between the. The lines here per, per minute. I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Marcus Smart was onto something because per minute, Gary Payton has been one of the best. To, okay, no, but he hasn't played enough. So, <laughs> um, no. So Mo, Mo said something, by the way, which like this is this is this is um, it's the internet, so shouldn't worry about it too much. But like, I want people to stop using clearly as like the basis for their argument. If it was clear, I wouldn't be asking the damn question. Like, <laughs> it's not clearly Robert Williams because X, Y, and Z. It's arguably Robert Williams because of X, Y. And maybe that's just me being like me. But still, like, you know, it's it's it like the, this this notion that if you any other opinion is stupid is like ah, go on. It's Sorry, it, no on. no no no. It's the 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 clear cut this person's definitely winning the award only works so many times right and it's and and listen we can cut it across everything the mvp coach of the year uh defensive player of the year any anytime you're saying this person's clearly the the mvp or whatever you're saying in your opinion that's fine clearly for you but it's not the case for everybody else and there are cases to be made for all of these things we're gonna have an unbelievable vote for defensive player of the year. I think it's going to be incredibly tight. We're going to have an unbelievable vote for coach of the year. I think that field's massively uh, overloaded with talent. And we're going to have an unbelievably tight vote for MVP. It's not clear cut, guys. Plain and simple, it's open for everybody and it's arguable. I love the word arguable. This is part of where the art comes into play here because it is very much up to the beholder of this art to, to make the, the judgment here, right? Like this is a judgment call based on however many people are voting for the award, actually watching 
You know, there are going to be people who just like to watch Giannis more that will vote for Giannis. Plain and I mean, that's that really is going to be a thing. Like it's that close, especially this season. And I, I mean, I know that now I'm swinging to MVP, but we're, there's a lot of Jokic is the MVP. Well, I don't know, man. There's still 15 games left in the season, and I and I happen to think that game like winning games does matter, regardless of context. Certainly, context is important, but you got to win games too. I, I mean. You know, I was the same way about Russell Westbrook with the triple doubles. I didn't think that that team won enough games for him to be MVP. He clearly had an MVP caliber season, but you also have to win games to me. And so I'm with you guys. I I think a clear cut, especially in a year like this, everybody's having a good season. Well, not everybody. Not the Knicks. Some (laughs) Some notable people not having good seasons. But I do think that this is going to be a year where, Mo, you kind of nailed it. It It's going to be tight across every single race, and it ought to be. This is good. We should be pumped. So whoever wins the award deserves it. Whoever wins the award deserves it. we can talk it. about it more. No, so I will say that that even though as much as kind of we – I'm going to go back on something that, that we, we talk about all the time is, is, is a little bit too much of, oh, what does this mean, blah, blah, blah. I do think that, you know, for the purpose of like, you know, if we're, if we're using MVP as like, okay, this player was the, was the main – was a – was not maybe not the but a main story of the season the fact that we're we've been talking about it so much and you know uh, some credit to tim bontemps you know friend of the show tim bontemps for doing his his regular straw poll about the mvp is it does feel like this is more than maybe might be previous this is going to be a full season award because all right we knew steph steph curry was awesome for the first quarter of the season but that's kind of fallen off but that's still we're still aware that that happened because we considered that and thought about it. And so I think a little bit of what I think what we're all annoyed about right now with the MBDB discussion is Jokic has been like amazing. For the, he's been great all season, obviously, but he's been in particularly amazing for like the last two weeks. You know who was unbelievably stupendous for the two before that was Joel Embiid. And so it's not like it's not like it flips. It's just it, it all counts. But the fact that we're being forced to kind of continually like account for these things at least in my mind, makes me think feel like I have a better handle on who has sort of over the aggregate of the whole season. And it's you know if if perhaps that's one of the best arguments for Jokic is that he's just been the guy who's just been like he might not have been the best player at every single point this season, but he's been in the top three for every like any given cut of the season and over the course of the season that might give him you know an edge over you know what it seems like right now we're sort of coalescing around a pretty unimpeccable three-person group of of Jokic and Giannis and Embiid. Like any one of those three won it. Would any and either of you have any complaints, even if you would have voted for someone else? No. None. No. Zero. No. And, 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 and just to, to, to make the case a little bit for Embiid here, and then we can move on in that sense, because he's been great all year too, you know? And, and let's just put it to you this way, and I said it to you guys before the show, when Embiid steps on the court for the Sixers, he has a team has a 70% winning percentage. 70%. 7-0 for the folks that didn't hear it clearly. That's unbelievable. That's That would be second in the NBA. Now, he gets hurt all the time. Sure, he was out for almost all of November, his longest stretch of being out games with COVID. I'm not holding that against him in that sense. And in the last 10 games, he's averaging 31 points, 12 rebounds a game. Jokic has been unreal. What I love is 
One night, Jokic goes off. The next night, Embiid goes off. And then the following night, Giannis goes off. Can we... Or sometimes the same night. The same night, right. It's almost like the box score watch is so much fun. Like who was I forget who Philly was playing. There's a game like 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 uh, Embiid ends up with like fifty something in a game, and it's just an ab- absurdly dominant performance. That game ends. You flip over, and right as that game ends, like Jokic gets a game like game winning block to end a game. It's it was against. Like, he had a, he, I think it's the game winning block was against Toronto. I think that was the yeah. most recent one. He has he's yeah. had three this season. By the way, yeah. By the way, and that also was- an argument for why we don't need the Elam ending. A game winning block was <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Um, oh, he got us with that one. He cooked us with that one. Okay, let's. Now that that one's done, and I finally put that one to bed, so I don't want to hear it again. Let's go to the next topic. <laughs> okay, I'm, let me catch my breath. Hold on, I got to take a victory I'm, lap. I'm Woo! dying. I'm dying. He absolutely just destroyed us. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay. I'm back. All right. Uh, Quickly here at the end, uh, guys, as I mentioned, the NBA right now has just been it it feels like every night there's a playoff preview or an Eastern versus Western Conference potential finals matchup. I mean, the Suns and Heat game that that you talked about, Mo, was pretty good. and, And I would love to see it with everyone out there. Full health. I mean, that that would be a fast series up and down. Styles make fights. 
I love this so much. And so I want to ask you guys, because you've been there, you've been in the trenches. Do these head-to-head matchups matter from an analysis standpoint? Like, what can I actually take away when I see two teams play each other? So there's two, there's sort of two, do head, do head-to-head matchups matter? Do Does the matchup matter? Unquestionably. Do head-to-head matchups in the regular season matter? Yeah. I think there was a good study that came out of this, uh, I don't know, five or six years ago. Uh, it was one of the Heatles years, and they were playing the Nets in the first round. The Nets had happened to, happened to sweep them that regular season. So, oh, they got a chance. And like uh, someone did some, I think it was 538, did some research on this. And it was like basically um, over and above kind of the general team quality. Like, you know, if uh, every like extra game a team is won in a head to head, it gives adds about 2% to their chance to win the series. So if it's an eight versus one, and the eight seed has a you know a five percent chance to win regardless, but they've happened to have swept the one seed. Maybe they've got like an eight percent chance to to win the series. It's not nothing, but it's not everything either. So it's so I tend to it's it's much more the theoretical. How does this team do against that team's offense or defense? Uh, rather than how have they done against that team's offense or defense? Because like, especially in a season like this, like there's so much shit happens, so many, so much lineup weirdness, so much you know experimentation. Um, you don't want to read too much into like, especially um, there are some coaches who do the Belichick and just don't show anything in those games. Well, that was actually going to be my next question. I mean, Mo, like yeah. you, you've been involved in game planning. Uh, is it is it more difficult when you deal with a team that does stuff like Miami, where you're never going to see them at full strength? You're never going to see them run lineups that they're going to run in the playoffs. I mean, they're just throwing those games away often, right? I mean, how tough is that? Like, how do you scout them? No, it's it's really difficult because then when you go back and you're looking at, hey, like let me put, let's put it to you this way, and 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 shout out to to John Schumann who. Uh, him and I kind of went back and forth a little bit on Twitter last night and talking about the Suns Warriors, because I think the Suns are the best team in the NBA, head and shoulders above everybody else. I keep using that phrase. I just think they're that much better than everybody. And and Schumann replied with, hey, like, you know, I, I, I think it's a little bit closer. It was a nice civil discussion by this way. Not, not an actual like, yo, I'm going to punch you, you're going to punch me argument. Um, but it was, hey, they won the, the the two out of the three head-to-heads and things like that and all that stuff. For me, the results don't matter as much, especially when it's something that far back, right? And, and you know, you're looking at games in November and December, and as Seth said, like, teams are experimenting still at this point, right? How, if you're playing Boston in a playoff series, can you go look at your game against them in November? They're a wholly different, different team. Totally different. Forget the trade. Just the way they're playing. Well, we can attack. We can we can attack Ennis Freedom and drop. Oh wait, exactly, like, exactly, right. And so it's all of those things. It's all difficult, right? You just got to stay with your stuff, and you got you got to be on top of where you're at. And I think that's the 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 thing. So when you're coming closer to the end of the season, and teams are kind of winding down, and you might play an opponent, you might play in the playoffs. Yeah, you get the. Some guys don't show stuff or things, especially if it's a game you don't need for seeding or anything like that. Maybe you rest all your starters and whatever, play the G League kids or your two-way guys. It's, it's You go with that. But it, game planning is hard. The importance in the head-to-head, though, is where you could find the small things that worked. 
you know, and, and hey, when we did the pick and roll this way, they covered it this way, and we can counter if they cover that way again. We can do it this way and attack this, flip the screen, whatever, the million different things. I think there's all of those things that go into it. I think sometimes we overrate the head-to-head results, and I, I don't think it matters so much for us when we're game planning as much as what worked in that game and what didn't. And I think that's the most important thing you're trying to find as a coaching staff. All right, so then let me ask you. We all watched Phoenix and in, in Miami. I think Miami's got a really good shot to come out of the East. But did the game that DeAndre Aiden have make you guys worried at all about what maybe Embiid might be able to do against Miami's defense? Does that, I mean, this is the way I've been looking at these games. Uh, I think you, you can tell a lot by the way that teams perform against other good teams, but maybe not each individual team. If, if that makes sense, hopefully that's not too confusing. Uh, the bulls have done horribly against all the good teams in the league. And this is why I, I was kind of not believing them in them. And now, you know, they haven't been healthy and certainly they're not at full strength. But I think that it's safe to assume that this is not a team that's coming out of the East. But Miami could, but the DeAndre Aiden game gave me a lot of pause because of Joel Embiid and, and Giannis. No, I, I get that, but I also, I'm not as worried. And, and just last Saturday, they played Philly, and Philly didn't have Harden, so it's a little bit different. But they held Embiid to 4 or 15 from the field. You know, granted, he got to the line 14 times because that's what Joel Embiid does. Yeah. But 4 or 15 from the field is a big, is a big number. And I think that's, you're looking at it, if you're the Miami coaching staff, you're looking at that going like, okay, how do we replicate that again when Harden's on the floor with them? And how do we, how can we do that again? What do we do? And can you, you know, can we, can we stay in that? You know what you're going to do now when Embiid's on the floor and Harden's not, we're going to play whatever defense that was. Can, what are we going to do when Harden's on the floor with him and it's the pick and roll or, you know, it's, it's, it's setting him up into a duck in and things, all of that stuff. So I think, is that's part of the game planning. That's part of the coaching staff working. And that's why, to be honest, that's the advantage of not being in the playing tournament. You know, even though the Miami won't know who they're playing, they get to spend the whole week working on a game plan for it. And I think this is kind of something that's new that we haven't really kind of talked about much. Um, but like the three, six series, both those teams know who they're playing at the end of the season. And they have a whole week of game planning. And, that's why I look at it and I go, that's probably a closer series than it would be in the past. Whereas, yo, you're playing on a Thursday night. The season ends on a Thursday night. You finally figure out who the hell you're playing. Or season ended normally on a Wednesday, excuse me. Season ends on a Wednesday night. You have two days probably playing on Saturday. Two days is not a lot of time. Now you have a whole week. Very different scenario in the planning of, uh, of things. So I think I'm not too worried like that question in particular for Miami. But it's going to be an interesting one you know, for other teams, how they have to figure out the game plan. This, this reminds me of, of a, of a tweak they need to make to the, the playing system is they need to give a bonus to the film room of the team that finishes second. Yes. <laughs> because that's the group that has to do four practices. Yeah. Like that's the one group that has to do it. Like, I'm, you know, we, 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 we've talked before about like, like um, we, my, my last year in Milwaukee, I mean, we, we were like, none of the teams that finished eight were, Really concerned about, but obviously you do due diligence. Uh, I think coming in with two days left, with going into the second to last night of the season, we could have played any of five teams, and there were some tired-looking film bro people. Bro, preaching to the choir. 
preaching to the choir. I literally have slept in the facility for an entire week, you know, getting ready because we had no idea who we were playing one year. And I was Charlie Day with the, the calendar on the map and all of this. Well, if they win this game, then this is going to happen. And then we got to play this. And I got to have all these playoff books ready. I never want I never want to work in the NBA if I have to deal with a playoff book again. Let me just be honest with you guys. Um, but like, are the that, Sacramento Kings hiring? No, yeah. <laughs> oh, cheap shot. Uh, Sacramento, just so you know, he sends all your complaints <laughs> to please. Dave Dufour. <laughs> D Dufour. <laughs> all complaints <laughs> must include the lie. There yeah. we go. And that's going to do it for this week, folks. For Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. Keep it locked into the Athletic NBA show. We've got. NBA Slam and Jam coming up this weekend. And of course, Daily Dang back next week. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, don't forget you can subscribe by going to theathletic.com slash NBA show. Get this show with no ads. Go do it now. You guys have a great weekend. This is, uh, this is not your normal night here, Jeff. No, not at all. Uh, it would be even different if he was playing. Oh, yeah. If Bill was playing. I think that uh, the, I think Philly fans are anxious to see how good they are more than what Brooklyn is. It's like, no, we got our guys. We're here. We're going to send a message to you no matter what. They don't care about this game at all. They're there for one reason. They're not, they're paying, not, they're, they're not paying four thousand dollars for no damn regular season game. That's my point. My point. From a basketball standpoint, yeah, from, 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 from I mean, I'm not even sure. That, did he do that in any other game? Let's go out there. I mean, he does before every game. Okay. All right. My favorite thing when I was playing was watching. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.